Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. All right, what's up, legends? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm here with Paul McKinnon from The Balanced Runner. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. How are you? Fantastic. Well, pretty good considering I just found out that for the last 25 years I've been running <laughs> wrong. <laughs> so guys, we've, uh, we've just wrapped up um, a, a bit of a running session uh, near MSAC here in Albert Park and, and Paul's just kind of taken me through bits and pieces um, on my running to try and make it a bit more efficient and, and get my running style a bit more relaxed to make the running a bit easier and more enjoyable. And so firstly, thanks. <laughs> no, it was, it was really good. It was a bit of an eye-opener. Um, and we're going to talk a bit today about different piece, different bits and pieces from that session, but also a few other questions I've got, and I know that the the listeners have got as well. As I said, we're going to go through some questions um, at the end. But before we get into any of that, do you want to just give the listeners a bit of a rundown on who you are um, and what you've done and what you do? Uh, yeah, so my um, background is actually not in running, it's in, in hockey. Um, Played elite level hockey for probably 15 years in the National League here. Um, played six years professionally overseas in, in Holland and Spain. Um, played indoor hockey for Australia in two indoor hockey World Cups. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I started when I was four. Um, however, you know, running was probably a strength of mine. Uh, yeah. I always loved it. always did a lot of it outside of um, hockey. Yeah. And then, you know, study. I did PE teaching, sports science as a major. And they yeah. all just kind of tied in together. Um, on top of that, learning... What I coach now from a guy called Bex Anderson in, in Canberra and learned from him probably seven, eight years. Right. Um, yeah, and I guess putting those three things together and understanding how people learn and yeah. learning languages and, yep. and that sort of stuff has is, is all just kind of helped with that communication side of it as well as the technical side behind it with, um, with the sports science and, and learning from Lex. Yeah, and so obviously now um, the biggest part of your business is actually correcting people's running technique and, and running coaching, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, that's... Yeah. Pretty much all of it, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I do. I work one-on-one with, with athletes, and, and I say athletes because anyone who I see, I call one of my athletes, athlete, yeah. just, um, whether or not they're just starting out running or if they're, they're professional. Yeah. Um, they're all undertaking an athletic endeavor, just yeah. just at different levels. Yeah, right. And so before, I do want to chat about what we did today because it was, it was like, firstly, the way you actually taught it, took me through a session was perfect because as, as we'll talk about, like that kinesthetic awareness stuff and getting me to become a bit more aware of each different part of my body while I'm running was really helpful and made a lot of sense. It made it a lot easier once we made a few changes to figure mm-hmm. out what wasn't exactly correct before. <laughs> um, I still can't get over I've been doing it wrong for 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Mate, you're not alone there. You're, um, plenty of people come later on in life and, and say 40 years or 50 years. I bet. Um, so firstly... With most people, so I know it's a bit of a generalization, but when you look at most people's running technique, just us, you know, the average Joe of the weekend warrior that goes out for a trot a few times a week, what's, what's probably one of the biggest things that you see wrong or inefficient with people's running? I know there's a list of different things, but what's um, probably the most common? Most common, and I think we spoke about it with yours a little bit, um, their counter movement is coming from the wrong part of the body. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden it's placing pressures on parts of the body that weren't designed to work in that way. And without going into specifics and being able to show, it's sort of, they're just moving in the wrong places. Yeah. So a lot of the things I look for is um, movement where it shouldn't be. Okay. And then trying to increase movement where it should be. Yeah. But then also changing body What's, a, what's an example of that for someone that's... 
Uh, similar for yours. Like if, if you're yep. not getting um, movement through the correct plane or through the you know the arms where we want and in the correct um, position, yeah. Then all of a sudden the body's going to find it from elsewhere. Yeah. So yeah, arms would be one. Yeah. Um, so my situation for those that are listening, like I was getting not much movement from the arms and probably in, like too way too open through the chest and shoulders and getting a lot of tightness through the upper back. So then a lot of the movement for me was coming through the mid to lower back. Yeah. Which yeah. is which then is, putting pressure on a place <laughs> that you don't want pressure on. Yeah, exactly. And it's also changing the planes of movement. So if you're thinking about, a, you know, like a, a twisting movement, it's a horizontal plane. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to get flight and flow from running. And yeah. you've got this flat horizontal movement. Mm. So you're actually working through a horizontal plane rather than actually getting some vertical movements. Movements, yeah. yeah. And I guess that becomes, that's where the momentum is rather than thinking about momentum from, you know, like a rolling stone kind of momentum it's it's actually momentum to help the legs do what they do more efficiently yeah um, rather than working against it yeah and something you brought up when we we caught up for coffee the other day was about how um, a lot of physios or even myotherapists or whatever uh, which is not necessarily like it's not obviously not their fault but like you get told a lot of the time when you get a sore back or whatever from running that you're not using your glutes or your glutes are underactive or hamstrings are underactive or lazy or weak whatever it may be um, but as you're explaining, a lot of the time, people aren't even in a position to be able to use yeah. glutes and hammies. Yeah, yeah, spot on. So it's not that they're incorrect in regards to you know poor glute function or yeah. um, poor activation. Um, it's that when they're running and the movements they're making, it's not allowing the glute to function. So there's no way that they're going to be strong or activated when the movement they do you know, thousands of times a yeah. day isn't including the glute. The glute, yeah. So, you can go and do all the activation and strengthening skills that you want, but if you don't change the movement, then it's not actually going to be tapping into yeah. the glutes. So I always say, you know, um, strength doesn't change movement. Movement changes movement. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. It makes a lot of sense when you think about it because I was very similar. Like I actually did my hamstrings and glutes were shit ass. <laughs> um, so I did need to strengthen them up. But, you know, for those that have that follow any of the lifting stuff I do now, obviously strength, the glutes and hamstrings at the moment is probably like the strongest I've ever been. I don't see how getting them any stronger would improve my running, to be perfectly honest. But um, And it, it wasn't going to because as the stuff we went through today, I just wasn't even in the right position to utilize it. No, no, and not only the position when we start to talk about your hips and the movement through the hips, if you're starting to in, you know, increase the amount of movement there, you can't actually hold stability. So if you can't hold stability, then you can't hold strength. Yeah. If you can't hold that stability, you can't put power through the ground yeah. because you're actually moving from the top part of that, that stability point. Yeah, right. And so what we did today, we basically, what you explained to me, which when we, when we talk about lifting uh, in the gym, so let's say, for example, a squat, deadlift or whatever, the first thing that I'll set up is someone's foot position, then we basically work from the ground up. And for me today, it was the complete opposite. So my arms were literally stuffing up most of the, pretty much the whole thing. So yeah, so we did, made one small change to my arm movement and all of a sudden everything else started to flow a bit better and everything felt a lot more efficient and was no, nowhere near as much rotation and then you'd get me back to my old way of running, which I explained to Paul was very painful and almost a bit depressing every time he made me do it again. Just remind me of how shit it was before. Um, and that's literally just making one change to the arms, which is pretty insane, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and as you said, if you think about the first place you start when you're doing your deadlift, or, yeah. Um, and, and as I said, the feet are stationary, um, you know, stationary through those movements. Yeah. But running the feet are certainly not stationary. Mm. So you can't really start from the feet when something or, you know, there's a fair few 
odd movements are happening above it. Yeah. Like I said to you, like the feet are stuck between a rock, the ground, and a yeah. hard place, which is, you know, unbalanced, uneven movements up above, and they just have to compensate with what's happening. Yeah. And they just got to land and move the way they do. Yeah. Um, and that's why they're outcomes. Yeah. So you start the other end because you can actually get some real benefit from balancing up the arms to yeah, start with yeah. getting and moving it from the correct area and in the correct plane for you as an individual Yeah, and you're different from me and different yeah, exactly from right. someone else who I'll see tomorrow. Yeah. So it's finding it specific to you. Yeah, okay. Because um, as we spoke about, the anatomy of the shoulder is not at 90 degrees, so how can you swing straight? Yeah, you know, I've got to find, exactly. it, find it right for you. That's exactly right. And another one that you brought up that I thought was um, interesting and it makes a lot of, again, all this stuff makes sense once you actually like think about it and then go and do it. It's pretty practical but... For, the, for those that run a lot, you know, the typical complaint is, oh, tight hip flexors. Or I've been running a lot, so that's why my hip flexors are tight. When you're explaining it, almost shouldn't be like the old, like, should, should be the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you shouldn't be tightening up hip flexors by running because once you're in that, once you're actually using the glutes and hamstrings to push off and accelerate, yeah, ham, your hip flexors are almost on full stretch, not contraction. Whereas a lot of people are thinking about that knee drive and lifting from the knees and pulling up through the hip flexor first. Yeah, I can imagine. 90% of people who run have been told at one point, you know, drive your knees, lift your knees more. Um, and yet, all that is is flexion through hip flexors. Hip, hip flexors. flexors aren't strong muscles, you know. They're, yeah. they're, you know, they're long, thin bands. Yeah. So, when t- talking about the glutes and the glute function is to create hip extension through the hips. Yeah. If you're in a good position and you start to utilize those glutes, those glutes are working in a dual function. You know? Yeah. So, not only are they putting power through the ground through hip, hip flexion, mm. uh, hip extension, sorry. Yeah. Um, they're also flexing or extending okay. the hip flexors. Yeah. And once they start to stretch and lengthen, all of a sudden you're creating elasticity. And so that's yeah. the second function of the glute. And then once that lets go, you know, effectively you're just letting go of a rubber band, which naturally draws your knees higher. Yeah. So instead of without, just... Without decelerating, yeah, without slowing yourself down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And all I said to you was like, people who have tight hip flexors is because they're lifting their knees a lot and they're not getting hip extension. Yeah. So what they're doing is just shortening their hip flexors over and over and over again. Right. You know, people for one, two hours of running yeah. and wonder why they have tight hip flexors. Yeah. It's not a result. Along with sitting down all day and all the other shit that comes with it. Well, I think it, unfortunately, yeah. like the sitting down cops the bad rap. Yeah. You know, like I see you reckon a lot of the time it could be more to do with the actual training they're doing. Especially if, if it is running. Like, a, you know, you do that movement for an hour. Yeah, which is just a flexion of a hip flexor, and then you sit yeah, yeah. in a shortened state. Of course, yeah. it's going to relax in that shortened yeah, state. Yeah, So it's being overworked, and then you sit in the shortened state. So it's going to tighten up. Yeah. But then the first thing you know we think about, we're trying to give something meaning, and often it's the wrong meaning. It's yeah. I'm, it's sitting. I'm sitting down all day. Yeah. So I'll get a stand up desk. And wonder why my hip flexors are still tight. Still tight. Yeah. <laughs> still can't the, rub shit. Exactly. Yeah. It's overactive through the hip flexors yeah. through running rather yeah. than being in a good position, getting, you know, hip extension, which yeah. means the femur comes back, you know, yeah. A, B, C, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you go, oh, I don't have tight hip flexors. Yeah. Sit back down for work. Do you, do you, uh, so, so one thing you said to me the other day is that how people tend to separate running technique from sprinting and just going for a run, say going for like a 5K jog. Yeah. But you think the opposite. Uh, well, not the opposite, but you think there's a lot more similarities than what people think. Yeah, 100%. I think you know, efficient movement is efficient movement. Mm. It's running. Yeah. You know, the really big difference is how much power and energy you're putting into your movement to cover a short distance fast yeah. rather than a long distance. Still fast. Still you know, fast, like, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're not 
to look at them, they're not the same. Mm. There's the amount of power going through them and the amount of strength that you need and require to hold, you know, that, that stability yeah. is completely different. Different, yeah. But the efficiency of the movements is still pretty similar. Similar, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you watch guys like, let's say, for example, Usain Bolt and stuff like that and do you enjoy watching sprinters? Like, do you take bits and pieces from them and, and, and see that similarity between watching like someone do, say, for example, like a 1500 or a 5K yeah. run? Sure, because if anything, they sometimes highlight movements because they're so fast and so powerful or need to be to be able to go yeah. that distance. Those smaller movements become um, more obvious. Yeah. They're quicker. Yeah, yeah. So you need to be able to, you know, like concentrate in them. But sometimes they're actually bigger because of how much power. It's like yeah. if you need to arrest a movement, you know, like, and we use arm swing, yeah. you need to be more powerful because they're coming through so quick. So mm. you need to actually be strong and to be able to arrest the movement, bounce it back and, yeah, yeah. and continuous. So you can actually see yeah. that movement. And aside from the fact that, let's say, someone like, I use the example again, Usain Bolt has a lot more fast switch fibers than slow switch fibers. If he was to build up some form of um, aerobic capacity and build up the Ks in his legs, do you reckon the fact that he does have such good technique in a sprint, he could be a, a, a good and hold his form over a longer distance? Or do you reckon it just come down to specificity and just it'd be completely different? Oh, uh, he's a phenomenal athlete, so I'm sure it'd be pretty good yeah. at most things that he yeah, yeah. did. Um, when you start to change from, say, 100, 200, and then originally it was a 400, so a lot of 400 runners go out to 8 or 15. Yeah, and he's going to start me in. So in those middle distance, I'm sure he could be okay because he's long and range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got pretty good technique. I don't know. I, that's hard. That's hard a hard one to question. Yeah. yeah. But with... Good technique. I'm sure, you can do okay. Yeah, I can't imagine you eating forty chicken nuggets and wanting to run fifteen hundred meters. That <laughs> no, you can, can you? Yeah, the difference between yeah. ten <laughs> seconds and yeah. few minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, a common uh, common problem or common um, I don't even know what the fucking word I'm trying to think of, but anyway, common. We'll just yeah. go with common. Is um is tight shin or shin splints yeah. with running, and a lot of time it does have, I guess. Well, you can answer this better than me, but I, I'm assuming it does have a bit to do with the surface people are running on. But also, what what is it? What is the reason behind it? Depends on the shin splint, you know, like yeah. shin splints, or even just tight around the shins. Yeah. Like, because I get tight tibia anterior. Yeah. Yeah, and look, that's one. One's yeah. you know the periosteum of the of the tibia starts yeah. to get depending on, and there's also one around kind of the um, the medial side towards the posterior, the yeah. shin that people have, which is in between like the muscle, the sheath, and the bone. Mm. So it can actually change, like or not. Sorry, change in the right word. It can be something like three different things. Three different parts. Two yeah. Two water shin splint is. Okay. Like there's yeah. no, there's no, descript. Yeah. Definition for each one of those. Each they're, one. they're the three most common that I'll see. Mm. Um, can be a combination of all the above, like the surface you're running on, the movement you make into the ground, how you land, yeah. and also the loading in regards to how much you're doing. Yeah. So, I often. I spoke to one of my other athletes the other day who's a, who's a um, podiatrist and and we were talking about the two different meanings of loading. Yeah. So loading being how many kilometers you run per week and also the intensity yeah. in which you run, but also the loading you put through your body on each footstep. Yeah. Um, often the first thing with running is about the loading, which is how much you're running and yeah. the intensity. So you're starting to get that shin pain, whichever one it is, yeah. um, decrease that loading. And yeah. less so, is it or less importance is put on how much you're actually loading through the movement? Yeah. 
So then we started to think about those right. two things, and the movement is what we talk about, or what I talk about it, and the technique side of things, mm. and changing the load that you put into the ground, similar to what you felt today. Yeah. From such a big difference. A positive change, how much lighter it is, and how much um, easier on the body it is. Mm. So therefore, you're not taking that impact. Yeah. For you, you're talking about tip ants, and, and a lot of the time it's because you're getting that um, heel strike. Well. Yes, but also the dorsiflexion, you know, like right. actually lifting the toes toward to get that heel to strike. To get the heel strike, if yeah. If you're doing that, tip ant is on. Yeah. Um, and if you're having that on for a long time, then like anything, if you've got a muscle contraction yeah. for a, yeah, yeah. an extended period of time. Some of the people get tight forearms because a lot of the back work they're doing, they're over flexing their um, their wrists or yeah. squeezing tail with the hands. Yeah, similar thing. Tennis elbow it always come, comes well, into their forearms and... Yeah, and that's kind of a repetitive movement thing. So yeah. it goes into the yeah. into the tendon and, and starts to cause problems there. Yeah, I had a guy who turned up, um, couldn't run a kilometre without having to stop because he had, you know, like tear bands would pump up to the point where he just had to stop. Yeah, right. The muscle. Yeah, I had um, that for a while. Yeah. Well, and yeah. it'd be similar to this. That yeah. He got, you know, um, referred to a surgeon, went to the surgeon. Surgeon said, well, we got compartment syndrome. We need to um, have surgery and, you know, slice open the muscle sheath to allow yeah. it space because yeah. that's what's happening it's taking away all its space yeah sheath. um whereas we started to change his technique didn't need surgery six weeks later he's running his first 5k once you actually start to take that loading away from that muscle yeah. and the movement is allowing yeah switch on and off yeah, yeah. um he didn't have it so it wasn't the fact that he had compartment syndrome it was just that he was overworking a particular muscle to the point it couldn't actually get rid of the blood yeah so then you have to stop repeatedly yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, and that's that, look. That's one example. Yeah, um, and and that's kind of along the lines of the example that you were talking about. Yeah, with that shin pain. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are probably listening, and some of the stuff we're talking about is probably just going like straight over there. <laughs> but so do you, um, we can talk about this after. But is there, have you got videos on your website and and on like Instagram and stuff like that? I'll have the links to all um, Paul's social media stuff here. But like videos that kind of go over a little bits of technique stuff or um, less so. The videos of the technique changes. Like I'll yeah. show differences between, you know, within a session or even yeah. within, over the course of like yeah. two or three sessions of someone being able to change. Yeah. Um, it's sustainably change. Mm. So it's not just, okay, off you go. And as you felt, yeah. you know, like I think I'm running about, I'm not sure. But it's, yeah. it's, you know, six weeks later, look at the difference. Difference, yeah. And for, for anyone that's listening that's around the Melbourne area, like I said, I'll have all Paul's details in there because like, like I'm wishing I had done something similar to what we did today, like fucking years ago. Because yeah. it's something that's so like we were there for what maybe how long? Thirty to forty minutes. Yeah, forty five like minutes. Yeah. yeah, forty five minutes. And in such a short period of time, how it can drastically change the difference in how a run feels is pretty nuts. Yeah. When you think about like every time I run now, because because it, it has been so uncomfortable the whole time, fucking running for half an hour, thinking, all right, change this, see if that feels better. Change that, see if that feels better. Yeah. And that's the beauty of what. I guess what I do is it's just think about one thing mm. and as you felt like the, that domino effect of the changes yeah, yeah. down and it also gives the muscles an opportunity to adapt so yeah. it's not this huge change and then it's a big shock to the body it's yeah. like small changes over a, over the whole body yeah. which turns into quite a large, large you know, change. healing change but yeah. as far as the body's adaptation they're small changes yeah. rather than just going okay that's how you move let's get to this yeah. and not showing you on a video how you should be moving just going okay how do you feel now Yeah. what is it you're doing Yeah. let's change it what's the changes mm. um, it allows you to then get the body to adapt you know that muscle memory changes Yeah. in in one way like that's the beauty of running that if you go out for a run even for you know 5k run yeah. or 2k run yeah. whatever it may be you, you're 
in a 5K run, you've probably got 5,000 opportunities of doing this new movement. Yeah. So you've got 5,000 times where your muscle memory is actually changing. Yeah. If you're thinking about, you know, say a squat or a deadlift yeah. or, you know, shooting a basketball. Yeah, yeah. To get that many, yeah, <laughs> to yeah, do that that while, many yeah. times, you're going to be there for a while. Yeah. Then, you know, it's going to be pretty good. Like cool. doing 5,000 deadlifts. Yeah, so, so exactly. <laughs> so in, I don't know if I've done that many yeah. times. Um, in, in, in our regards, it's like the beauty of it is that if you're given the right stimulus, it can change pretty quick. Mm. But it can also work the other way as well. If yeah. you're in the wrong one or if yeah. you start to if you get an injury or if you get a blister, it can change the other way pretty quickly as well. Yeah. So running as a skill is pretty fluid. Yeah. You know, like you yeah, can change yeah. it really quickly and yeah. then you stay on top of it and you get better and better and better. But you can start to kind of go the other way as well. Decline as well, yeah. yeah. When you look at, and we spoke about this the other day, when you look at, uh, say, a sport such as AFL where there's just a shitload of soft tissue injuries and hamstrings being probably one of the bigger ones, what do you put that down to? And it can be different from individual to individual but is there something that really sticks out to you that could be improved that would be re- reducing the amount of hamstrings that are done in not only obviously professional sport like AFL but just amateur league footy and the average Joe that rocks up on the weekend and plays a game of footy and then trains a couple times throughout yeah. the week um, look notwithstanding obviously the load that they go through and the amount of fatigue that they have to running that much yeah. you know, and high high speed mm. you know um, I think the biggest thing for them is that it's almost like they're pulling through hamstring rather than extending through glute. So okay. they're loading up a longer, thinner muscle yep. to create that power and over long distances at speed. At speed, yeah. Yeah, so, and you know, they're, they're athletes. And they huge fatigue. Yeah, yeah, and then you put the fatigue on yeah. it. So it's not that they're just, um, you know, probably overloading a particular muscle that isn't supposed to be working that hard. Yeah. Um, certainly within the normal function of, of running. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that hard and it's kind of, it's targeting hamstring more than glute. Yeah. So they could probably hold on to it for a while. Okay. It'd still be quite quick. Yeah. But if they're pulling through the ground rather than extending, mm. then at one point or another, it's going to get fatigue and tear. So the biggest thing I'd say is, you know, like that, that overstriding pulling mechanism. Okay. And then under fatigue. And so, so yeah, so the, so the, Pulling is because of the fact that they're overstriding, um, or the body like a little bit. Yeah, yeah. sometimes it could be from rotation, could be from right. you know trying to run faster or run further, and that's what they've thought is going to, to work for them. Yeah, um, but you know, like that is a generalization, as we said yeah. at the start. It's, I think a lot of the things I think about is like um, movement times load or load times movement. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it's not just one. Yeah. It's not just the other. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, put the two together. Barring uh, injury, do you reckon you could basically get anyone and get them to run efficiently? Because you, you, you know, especially I hear a lot. I don't know if you hear it a lot as well, but typical thing you hear is, you know, oh, I'm not a runner. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've never been a runner. Like, yeah, yeah. just can't run. Like, do you reckon anyone you can basically, if with the with the right time and the amount of time that they put towards that technique, can become an efficient runner to the point where they can. Build up their aerobic capacity, obviously, but yeah, certainly a whole lot more efficient than what they are from now. Yeah, yeah. you know, they might not turn out to be um, Elliot Kipchoge, yeah. world record yeah. marathon runner, but yeah. I can guarantee they'll be a whole lot more efficient than what they are now. Yeah, like I sent you that thing this morning. You know, no one gets taught how to run. No mm. one, as a kid, you know. Yeah, everything else, it's like every other sport, every other skill you do, it's. I know we'll teach you how to do it, mm. but running is so this, true. It's this thought of no, you run how you run. Yeah, you just do more of it, you do it faster. But 
running is a skill just like everything else. Yeah. You know, like swimming. The reason why you get taught to swim is because obviously the the outcomes can be pretty dire. Yeah, you, know, sure. like, you know, like it's not great. Yeah. It's not just an injury, is yeah. it? But for, for what you do, like yeah. if you get someone into the gym and you don't teach them the correct technique, they'll get injured pretty quick. Yeah. You know, like but yeah. what I call is like, you know, that's a stab to the heart. Yeah. But running's a death by a thousand cuts. Like if you don't get taught the correct way to do it, mm. if you didn't do it the correct way, then something's going to happen. Yeah. So you can still get taught to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Random question: Do you think anyone will break? What is the what's the current world record for a marathon? Do you know? Um, in the, like in, a, in an actual race, I think it's two hundred one twenty odd or two hundred thirty, which was done last year by Kipchoge. But he also did two oh oh twenty nine in that breaking two, so the Nike breaking two project. Yeah, um, where he had you know a car and you know, a flying V in front. Two hours of and twenty nine seconds. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, so you reckon, you reckon, uh, you look, reckon two hours to get broken. I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think as well, that's the first time they tried it and they were 28 seconds off. You know, like... That is nuts. Yeah. What's that? That's, um, that's, that'd be... 250s, please? That's fucked. Or oh, 240s, maybe? Oh, that is even, fucking unbelievable. I reckon the fastest I've ever done a 1K would be around three minutes well, funny, for one effort and I was cooked. Funny you say that, like the, the last marathon... No, it's 240s, yeah, because the last marathon that he did was what? Like Berlin Marathon and his average pace it was like high 240s and if you look at his you know 42 um, kilometer splits so 42 yeah, yeah. one kilometers I think of the 42 I could run with him four of them but that's just for one kilometer he's run four of those 42 I could I could you know yeah, yeah. to him yeah but then I'd be cooked and I'd be hands on yeah for ages and, and like I'm not a great runner but that's all I could do. Four. He's doing it for 42 straight. That's and and the, the other 38, I couldn't keep up. That's unbelievable, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So for you, you would, out of control. If, if you're saying that you, you know you do three minutes, yeah. great. Like that's great. Yeah. But you would have been able to hold on to him for, for a, a single kilometer. <laughs> and he's done 42. That's absolutely in a row. nuts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. And you look at someone like him, and, and he does he in your eyes have just spot on he's got one of the greatest techniques you can see yeah yeah he and a guy called um david radisha yeah both kings um beautiful like really really good there's things where yeah you don't see him any better that's nuts yeah when it comes to running distances or what is running in general what do you recommend i guess it's different for everyone what do you recommend is the optimal shoe no, no, that's just <laughs> and that yeah, it becomes pretty contentious. It just depends on the you know, the person, what they like. Yeah, uh, yeah. What about uh, another question I, I had for you was running surfaces. What do you think is the best to run on for for longevity? Longevity, yeah, like as much as much as like the you know, dirt path as possible, like just to try and ease, be a little bit easier on the body. Like obviously, the more concrete, the more road you run on, the harder it is going to yeah. be on your body. Um, yeah, if it's just you know like a tan surface. Yep. It's better tan is better than um, side path or a road. Yeah. You know grass is obviously pretty good. It, it it loads up the muscles a little bit differently because obviously it's a little bit softer. Mm. Um, yeah. Anything is anything that's not road really. It's not road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So marathons aren't great for you. Oh, look like the races itself. No, it's like marathon training. You're gonna do it all on your road. It's pretty taxing on the brutal. Body. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so so I got a few questions. So I'll put up a thing on my story before I put it up way too late, but 
think that's better off. Still got, <laughs> still got, still got, some, uh, still got some, some good questions. Um, so, question here, does Paul listen to audiobooks while he runs? Um, sometimes I just listen to podcasts a little bit. I, yeah. I shift between the two. Sometimes I'll listen to something. Sometimes I don't want to. I just want to hear. Mm. I remember one of the first things I learned when I was 18 when I went out running. Um, before hockey, I was going out and running through the trails in Canberra. Didn't listen to music. And that's yeah. what actually highlighted to me the difference between my landing. Efficient and not efficient. Yeah, yeah. And this is one of the things that first started to get me really interested in, in how I'd... One of the, uh, one of the guys here um, in, who runs True Health, Tori, he's done something like 11 marathons and three or four ultras or something like that. I think yeah. I stuffed it up. But he, he's done, he's, he's, he yeah, he's done a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's gone for a few runs. Yeah. Um, he says that he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't listen to music when, when he does marathon training at all because he, he likes to hear footstep and heart. Heartbeat. Yeah. Heart rate. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. It is, and that. Whereas yeah. I, I'd, I'd You'd rather have always run with music. <laughs> yeah, yeah I got to listen to something. And that's the thing. Sometimes I want to just because it takes my mind off. Say I feel really poor, or if you want to go running and you you want to think anything else but running. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck a chuck audio book in. Yeah. yeah. If it's audio books, if it's music, if it's podcasts, mm. great. And a lot of people do. I shift between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes listen to, to the footsteps. Sometimes yeah. listen to something. Yeah. Uh, best warm up cool down for running. Uh, we had a brief discussion about this the other day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't do any warm ups. Yeah. Uh, I do a couple of body weight squats to get yeah. the, get the um, blood flow. For, for me, I just run the first kilometre or two, depending on how long yeah. you're running for. Run it slow and easy just to let the body um, yeah, warm up itself. Like, okay. what's, the, what's the first thing you do if you're playing footy or basketball? If someone said warm up, what would you do? Oh, I. What would I do? Probably a couple of laps of yoga, wouldn't it? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. yeah so what yeah. do you do for running? Yeah. Similar thing, Similar I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just find it, um, it's, a, it's, you know, it's a, you're running a straight line. Yeah. So <laughs> as, as long as you start yeah. to warm up and you get the muscle moving, yeah. you're not just going out and bolting. Like, to give you an example, listening to some of these podcasts with like the elite runners, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm a hack when it comes to running, like as far as running itself. For the coaching, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah um, you know, so the, the elite runners, like so, the, you know, the Kenyans. There's a guy called um, a New Zealand guy called Jake Robertson. He was talking about his running on a Saturday. They'll do an alternating 30k, 40k run, you know, 30, 40, 30, 40, like week to week. Yeah, and he said the first two k's it'll be five minute pace. Yeah, literally just kind of get moving, rolling the legs over. Yeah. yeah, and that's you know like that's their warm up. And yeah, like k three, bang, they're down to three fifteens, and they run the rest of it like three fifteen, three twenty pace, three ten. So it's not stop, stretch, leg swings, all yeah. that sort of stuff. It was, you know, run really easy to mm. start with to get the body yeah. moving and then yeah. start to move into where you want to be. That's that's a personal thing. Yeah, and I reckon, yeah, I'll, I'll add to that as well because I reckon your your mobility and stuff seems pretty spot on well, from, what I, like, from what I can tell anyway and that's what works for you. And I reckon so a lot of people would be very similar. Like they'd just rather chuck the runners on, go for a bit of a jog, and then and then speed it up a bit or do whatever they need to do. But if you're listening and you're someone that really struggles with hip mobility and you know you've got shit mobility, then it can. It obviously is beneficial to spend a little bit of time beforehand doing your mobility if that's what you want to do. If you feel like you're going to actually be able to get your body in a position it needs to to be in to run. But yeah, I I tend to agree. Like sometimes I I kind of alternate. Sometimes I'll spend a good amount of time doing mobility if I feel like I'm just tight, like real tight from whatever it may be, weights or whatever. Yeah. Whereas other days I'll just, yeah, chuck runs on, go for a bit of a jog and then, and then 
then once feel good, start having a Yeah, and look, it depends on, you know, obviously the sport on. Like if it takes, if you've got a little bit of an injury on your or something or you need to warm up this particular area, like um, one of my mates had a bit of an Achilles problem, so he felt more comfortable just kind of doing some his exercises and yeah. doing a bit of skipping and then going out and running. And then like, going, yeah. Yeah, and, but that's specific. Like specific, that's specific, yeah. as an individual. Like, I think, yeah, if you're running a lot, if you're doing a bit of it, then just don't be easy to start with and kind of building mm. rather than thinking you've got to do 15, half an hour of mobility and activation. Yeah. What is the most efficient way to run downhill? Uh, very similar to running on the flat. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, know yeah. you want to be landing in the same spot. It's just that you're using a lot more of your um, eccentric movements yeah. to, to slow you down. You don't want to, you don't want to um, use the wrong areas to slow you down. Yeah. You know? So you see in Great Ocean Road Marathon a lot of ITB problems and shin problems because they get to the top of the hills. Like it's a very rolling course. They okay. get to the top of the hill and yeah. they think, great, I can relax and you know I can actually take it easy down the hill. Yeah. It's almost like you've got to concentrate more, more. on the downhill yeah. Yeah. than on the uphill. I, uh, I thoroughly enjoy spending time in LA and like one of my go-tos is Runyon Canyon there. Yeah, okay. And like the way down just... I'm guessing is that a trail like I've never been there. Oh, so uh, so there's one part of it you can go one way where it's like kind of more like a bit traily I guess and yeah. a lot steeper and a shorter distance but more uh, a lot more elevation. Yeah. The other way is kind of just a windy road that gets you all the way up and you end up in the same spot but it's pretty high up and um, yeah the way down I have to concentrate so much more and I'm like wrecked by the time you're down <laughs> the way down I, I am on the way up it's just a different. Yeah. yeah. Different well, impact, obviously. It's loading a different area, isn't it? Mm. You know, like you're, you're loading the, the quads more because that's an eccentric movement. Yeah. Rather than the way up, you should be loading boots. Yeah. You know, because that's the, the extension. Mm. However, you'd still be landing in a pretty similar position, you know, under the under the hips, so that it's kind of that that movement rather than in front and that breaking force. Yeah. Um, and you still want to be, you know, kind of cycling underneath. And if anything, kind of shorten the chopper strike down. Down, yeah, yeah, because yeah, if you're if you're overstriding and overreaching, then that's when that impact. Because not only are you going faster, you're going stick. downhill. So you know, like all of a sudden, it's multiplying mm. that impact. So yeah, you chop down and kind of spin. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, right. Just kind of spin on the way down. Yeah, you're still want to land in a very similar position. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, this will be our last question, and this might be a hard one to answer. Um, I've developed a sore hip. Uh, in brackets, never had that before. It's by Ange, and she said, and it's definitely it feels like it's joint, not muscle. What is there a typical deficiency that you know of with people's running techniques that, yeah, that like causes said, that is causes it from running? Or yeah, no, it's from running. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's increased her running recently. Yeah, okay. Um, that causes hip pain. Yeah. That you that you often, that you frequently see. Uh, look, yeah, obviously without seeing Ange um, run, it'd be how she's loading. Yeah, you know, like if it is joint, it'd be because she's placing, and possibly placing too much pressure yeah. in that joint. So the joint's actually taking the impact mm. and the load rather than, you know, the muscles taking the muscles, yeah. you want to. And look, everyone's got their breaking point. So she might be able to do a certain amount of kilometers and the body can kind of take it and yeah. stand it. Yeah. But then as soon as she's increased that load, that she's like, yeah, and then all of a sudden, oh, hang on, now it's sore. Mm. Um, whereas the movement or the loading was exactly the same previously. It's just that she was within her threshold. Okay. Yeah, um, right. And now it's gone kind of without. I think thinking about like programming and all that sort of stuff, and they often talk about like that 5 or 10% increase yeah. over time. Over time. Um, however, if you're not loading the correct areas, then 
your body in those areas don't adapt at the same rate as that increase. Mm. So if you're loading the correct areas and you're loading your know, muscles, tendons, stuff, they'll adapt a whole lot quicker. Yeah. Or bones and joints will. Yeah, sure, yeah. You know, so you can you can be strict and to a program and all that sort of stuff, but you might be loading wrong areas. Wrong areas. And they can't adapt. Okay. So yeah, right. it might be to do with that. Um, but normally, if, if it is joint, then it's probably copying a fair. Come and say, oh, by the sounds of it, yeah. Yeah, come see me or, or someone else who does something similar to Something it, similar, yeah. Probably, probably better off to see <laughs> Exactly. Um, all right, last question. This is just a question from me. What, again, I know some of these questions are a bit open-ended, but do you, have you found that there's kind of like an ideal, or I guess, optimal running frequency for someone that's just kind of starting wanting to increase their... They're running. Say, for example, I'm I'm doing. Obviously, we spoke about this before. Yeah. I'm doing something relatively stupid at the moment by yeah. running every day in January. <laughs> yeah. But say I was doing that same thing over the span of a week. So I wanted to do like a longer run, just a bit of a cruisy run, and then some sprints. Well, that's obviously three. Yeah. But what what do you think is the optimal running frequency over the span of a week where you're going to be able to progress from week to week or even month to month, but without yeah. overloading to the point where you're just cooked all the time? Um, the thing I always suggest is less small amounts more often so if you're okay. if you're starting off and you've never run before you know only do two or three per week but only really really small amounts yeah and then once you want to start to increase you only increase one of those runs yeah you know and so yeah. it's not all three you increase yeah next week it's just one of them yeah you know so you're still doing your three runs but only one gets a little bit longer yeah if you want to increase the caves even more you might add another run rather than Increasing increase. through it. Yeah. Or if you want to increase um, intensity, so yeah. you add sprints, only one of them you increase yeah. the sprints. So you don't do distance and intensity the next week. Yeah, very similar to, for those who are listening, very, very similar to body composition. I talk a lot about how when people are trying to lose fat and they hit a plateau, it's often like, all right, I'm going to do one or two more cardio sessions. I'm also going to cut out all this food. And then, and then it'll be good again. Yeah, Whereas yeah. I talk a lot about very small increase in energy expenditure or very small decrease in calorie intake or very, very, very small increase or a very, very small amount of both yeah. instead of drastic changes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. really because it, loading is, is not only distance, you know, like all yeah. the time. Like some yeah. people do their programs all the time, which is, which is fun. Um, but intensity is the same. Like that's an increase in your load. Shit, yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, like, if you're increasing the intensity and you think about, oh, no, my long run, your long run's effectively a session. Mm. Like, all of them, you're pushing yourself in a certain way. In a certain way, different variable. Yeah, the variable being distance. So yeah. you're pushing your body's um, ability to run further. Yeah. Rather than faster. Or yeah, yeah. Faster, further, you know, like. Yeah, 100%. So they're all, um, yeah, you're all pushing or all seen as a bit of a session, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I'd say start off small amounts more often rather yeah. than you know, two 10k runs. Yeah. Because effectively what you're doing is just recovering for the next three days and then you run 10k and then you're recovering for the next three or four days. Yeah. Instead of just going, no, okay, I'll do three or four, three to four kilometer runs. Yeah. Um, you might not be running as much. Yeah. But you, you want to get to a point where you wake up the next morning and go, oh, I could run again. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. exactly the same with strength training as well. People see people come in and just smash a body part, one body part. Yeah. And then not train it again until next week because that's all. Yeah. Whereas increasing the frequency and training it less in one session but doing the same muscle twice per week, overall you're doing more. You're not waking up anywhere near as sore. No. And over the span of a year 
all of a sudden you've done fuckload more volume. Yeah. Um, the, the more and more I listen to people who, who are really good at this and, and they're programming and you see the consistency of training, they're always training within. Yeah. They're training within. They're, they're getting the sessions done and they're getting quality sessions done. Mm. It's always just within. Yeah. They know they could go faster and they can yeah. push themselves. Not overreaching. Yeah. Because yeah. then all of a sudden, as you said, eight weeks down the track, 12 weeks down the track, they've got this... Um, cumulative effect of yeah. really good quality without actually crushing themselves. Yeah. So then come race day, that's the time to push. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the yeah. time to crush yourself. Which is what it should be like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kelly Slater saying, I never push myself in the gym, I never push myself you know, <laughs> in training. I push myself in competition. Yeah. You know, his, his longevity you can't question. <laughs> yeah, exactly he's in his right. 40s and he's yeah. still, like, obviously, it comes in, he's super talented. Yeah, yeah. But you would be super talented and break yourself too. Shit, yeah, yeah. But all these things for me, like, I'm good at the technique change and that, you know, getting the person mm. aware of what they're doing. There's people far, far superior and who are direct to for programming. Programming, for yeah. And yeah. For nutrition, you know, yeah. like, I stick to my specialty. Yeah. Um, and that's good. Yeah, and that's that's what I do. Yeah. I don't get programs. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll direct them to people that I trust. Yeah. Um, it was improved there. Yeah. They do increase their volumes yeah. there. I would do it properly. Exactly. I don't, I don't want training groups and I don't want, you know, yeah. groups of athletics. You know, like yeah. it's help them with their efficiency. Yeah. Much like a, you know, like a golf pro. Yeah. Like a golf pro. Yeah, sure. For running. Yeah. Um, and then they go off and do their other bits for yeah. people who know much better and much yeah. more than I do. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Paul, thanks a lot for coming on the show, mate. Oh, mate, thanks um, for having me. No, it's been it's been great. I've learned a shitload today as well. <laughs> Fucking hell, change change everything. Life changing today. Well, you're not getting me to the gym now either. Yeah, well, I said I did say at the start of the podcast that I was going to take Paul for a session first, and then by the time we do the podcast, it's cooked. But fortunately, no one can see me behind the microphone, yeah. so you know, they don't know how big or small I am. I just don't need to be in the gym. Jack, yeah. <laughs> no. uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks heaps for tuning into the episode today. If you've taken some value from it, which I'm assuming you will have. Please do take a screenshot of today's show and post it up on your Instagram story. Tag myself and tag Paul. I'll have his Instagram um, username in the show notes today. And look forward to chatting to you guys again in next week's episode. Thanks again, Paul. Thanks, Dan. Hey.